0: CC Brandon Faith Talk Tampa online at letstalkfaith.com. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app.
1: Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
0: I always imagine Elijah in that situation, kind of leaning against the tree with a toothpick in his mouth, just saying, make fools of yourselves. But that's, that's dangerously close to what we're hearing in this positive confession kind of movement. Um, say it and it'll happen. If you say the wrong things, it won't happen. See, true faith is not a magical formula of any kind. It doesn't say abracadabra and things happen. You get what you want. It isn't faith in faith.
1: Where you place your faith is just as important as whether or not you have faith misplaced faith is just as useless as lack of faith. In fact, pretty much everyone has faith in something or someone. For most of us, it's faith in our own abilities. I suppose that's better than faith in a rock or a stick, but it still won't gain us eternal life or peace with God. There is also misplaced faith in God that is just as much faith in our abilities as it is trusting in the Lord. Now, if we ask the right way, He will give us what we ask for. When we do that, it's not trusting God. You see, it's trusting our ability to manipulate God. Do you think God likes that? I don't think so either. So what does the Bible say about faith? You see, that's been our subject here on Verse by Verse for several programs, and we continue that topic today. Thanks for joining us. Our teacher is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been teaching there since 1981. Verse-by-verse ministries is now making his expository teaching available in these daily radio Bible classes. Our study is based on Hebrews chapter 11, often called the faith chapter. With so much clear teaching about faith to be found in the Bible, it's a little surprising that so much confusion and false teaching exists. Here in this class and the following two classes, Pastor Steve will contrast true biblical faith with some of the other modern notions of faith that we've been hearing about lately. Now, here is Pastor Steve.
0: In recent years, Christians have been exposed to some very strange and unusual teachings about faith. We've been studying about faith for the last few weeks because we are looking in Hebrews chapter 11... But you should be warned that there are some really flaky views out there concerning faith. Uh, These teachings about faith come from a a movement that comes under a variety of names. You may know it as the Word Faith Movement. It's also called Faith Formula, Word of Faith, uh, Hyperfaith, Positive Confession is another name that this movement uh, goes under. Uh, you may know it in the more popular term, the name it and claim it movement or health, wealth and prosperity it really comes under uh, the same thing that we're we're talking about in terms of of faith. And one of the things that this movement teaches is that what you say determines what happens. That's a major tenet of this faith movement. What you say determines what happens to you. In other words, faith is verbally saying positive things that you want to, to happen to you, and therefore God is required to grant it to you. Lack of faith then is to talk about your trials, your difficulties, anything that's negative, uh, any lack of funds that you have, uh, your physical infirmities, anything like that. That's called lack of faith, according to this movement. So what you end up with, what you end up with is faith in your own words. Faith in your own words. That's the bottom line. It's faith in faith faith in your faith, because God and his word are no longer the object of faith, but your words and my words become the object of faith. One leader, I should say the main leader of this movement, Kenneth Hagin, said this, and I quote, and by the way, before I quote, this is his logic is hard to follow, and I understand this, but I am just directly quoting. I wouldn't tell anybody if I had a double thought or a fear thought, I wouldn't accept it. I wouldn't tell somebody if the thought came to me. And you know the devil can put all kinds of thoughts in, in your mind. We are, he writes, a product of words. Did you ever stop to think that the Bible teaches that there is health and healing in your tongue? Did you notice that he said here, and he's referring to Proverbs twelve eighteen, the tongue of the wise is health. He says, I never talk sickness. I don't believe in sickness. I talk health. I believe in healing. I believe in health. I never talk sickness, I never talk disease, I talk healing. I never talk failure. I don't believe in failure. I believe in success. I never talk defeat. I don't believe in defeat. I believe in winning. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, one church that followed this uh, had a little bit of a uh, followed this thinking, had a little bit of a dilemma because um Since they felt that all you had to do is say a positive confession, nobody would ever be sick. The problem was that, uh, and this is true, that, uh, that mothers and fathers were bringing their little infants and children to the nursery. And they were not only sick, they were contagious. And so immediately the church had a conflict of theology. You had little ones who, who people denied that they were sick, but everybody in the nursery was catching what they had. And so is it true? The pastor had to sheepishly get up and instruct his congregation on a very ticklish concern. And he, and he did that. And until he actually got up and said, it's all right to admit that your children are sick, uh, nobody was going to do that. And so this is the faith movement. Now, uh, really, it's quite absurd. It's quite absurd, some of the things that we're hearing from this. Is this really what the Bible teaches about faith? That whatever you say, you get. And if you say anything negative, you'll get that. You know what? We have another name for that. That's called superstition. It's called superstition. It's called magic. Magic formula. And it is rooted in paganism. And let me show you that. Uh, Mark chapter 6 or rather, Matthew chapter 6, I mean. Matthew chapter 6 speaks about this. You see, one of the roles of a of a pastor is, as he shepherds his flock, is to warn you. Is to warn you and protect you from things that are out there that come under uh, biblical terminology, but they are not Bible. The Bible does not teach this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, this is what Jesus said. And you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut the door... Pray to your father who is in secret that your father who sees in secret will repay you. Now watch this. And when you are praying, he says, when you're in your closet, when you're in your room, when you're alone with God and you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. And that comes dangerously close to what Kenneth Hagin and others are saying. That the key is your words. That determines it. And you know what this really reminds me of? Do you remember the false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel with Elijah the prophet? And the Bible says that that all day long they called upon their God. They said, oh, Baal, oh, Baal. And the Bible says that they thought they would be heard for their many words thought they would be heard for their many words, and Elijah just, went, uh, just let them go on. I always imagine Elijah in that situation kind of leaning against a tree with a toothpick in his mouth, just saying, make fools of yourselves. But that's, that's dangerously close to what we're hearing in this positive confession kind of movement. Um, say it and it'll happen. If you say the wrong things, it won't happen. You see, true faith is not a magical formula of any kind. It doesn't say abracadabra and things happen and you get what you want. It isn't faith in faith. It isn't faith in faith. The Bible is very clear about faith, and the Bible devotes an entire chapter to explain to us what real faith is. And so I invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to know what faith is, you go to the Bible, and you don't come up with some ridiculous superstitious formula. You go to the faith chapter, and that's chapter 11. Because chapter 11 is a roster of men and women who lived by faith, true faith, godly faith, the faith that God puts in a heart, the faith that God produces. And the reason he he did this is because the Hebrews of the first century were having so many struggles and and so many problems, and they were suffering for their faith, and they were being persecuted, and some were defecting, and so... It had to be in their minds, do I walk away from Christ? What do I do with this? The, the Jewish community was trying to pull them back to Judaism. And uh, all these things were going on. And the writer to the Hebrews, whoever he was, wonderfully comes along and says, listen, you got to look at your ancestors you got to look at the the, the ancestors of, of you people. You have to look at the great men and women the, of the Hebrews in yesteryear because these people walked with God. They went through hard times. Nobody had it easy. But they went through hard times, and they persevered, and in spite of their trials, in spite of their difficulties, they trusted God. And the way they trusted God was that they had faith in His Word, not in their words but in his word. In fact, look at chapter 11, verse 1, in which uh, this sort of sets the, the pattern for the rest of the chapter. You want to know what faith is? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Let's stop there for a moment. It's faith in God's word, the things that we hope for, that we have confidence in, but we don't see. And that's why he says the conviction of things not seen. There are promises in the word of God that you have never seen come to pass. You have never seen heaven. You have never seen Jesus Christ. You have never seen the eternal city that Christ said he he went to prepare for us. You have never seen some spiritual blessings that the Bible says will be ours. But faith is the assurance, the conviction of things hoped for. Things that we look forward to, the future, we've not seen them, and it is the conviction or the proof of things not seen. See, it's all centered around God's word, not our word. Good night, if if my salvation and, and spiritual life depended on my words, I'd be in big trouble, and so would you. Faith is based on, on the objective word of God, not ourselves. And this is the way the ancient heroes of faith lived, all of them, and these are the hebrews who trusted god under adverse circumstances and the one man that our writer devotes the most time to is the greatest hebrew of them all uh, the one who is without doubt the great man of faith and that is abraham abraham's walk of faith centered around god's promises and the promises were of the land of canaan god said abraham to your lands abraham i know you have no children But you will have many sons and daughters. I promise that to you. You'll have a land. You'll have children. And from you, Abraham, will come one that will bless all the families of the world, not just the Jewish families, but all the families, the Gentile families as well. And we know that one person to be the Lord Jesus, the Messiah.
1: That is amazing faith. Abraham did not see most of the promises come to pass which God made to him. He did not possess the land God promised to him, but he did finally have the promised son after waiting an impossibly long time. Still, though, he did not live to see that descendant who would be the Messiah. Yet even though his faith wasn't always perfect, it was enough that God called him his friend. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. We're glad to have you with us for this class about faith from Hebrews chapter 11. If you missed the first part of the class, you can listen again on our website, versebyverseradio.org. I'll give you that web address again at the end of the class, along with some other details. But it's time now to return to class. When the break started, Pastor Steve was discussing the faith exemplified by the heroes listed in Hebrews 11, and in particular, the faith of... Abraham. Now, if you would like to follow in your Bible, we're going to take a look next at verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 11. How did Abraham have so much faith? Well, let's get back to class and find out. And though Abraham
0: lived nearly 4,000 years now, 4,000 years ago, the same things that characterized his faith we can learn from and apply to our own lives. And we've been going over this. In fact, this is the third message on Abraham and his faith. And we said there are five characteristics of Abraham's faith. Number one, as we look at Hebrews 11... His faith was active. That is to say, it was responsive. Verse eight says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was just responsive. Abraham didn't have a clue as to what God was doing, but he, his faith was active. It wasn't just intellectual. He didn't just, he didn't say, well, I've got my theology all straightened out. Uh, it's very doubtful that Abraham had a whole lot of theology. He just knew God. And when God called him to leave his home and go out, the Bible says, to where he didn't know at that point, he just went. So faith is, is active. Faith is responsive. Our faith needs to be like that. You don't need to understand everything. You just need to respond to what God says. Secondly, it's patience. Verse 9 says, By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now, when he got to the land, which God said is yours, he found that someone else was there. The Canaanites were there. But he was, he was, uh, patient. He didn't say, Hey, move over. This is my land. God promised it to me. So you guys get out of here or I'll start a war with you. No. It says that he lived as an alien in the lands of a promise. He he dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs of the same promise. How did he do it? Verse 10. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham said, hey, this world is not the epitome of, of life. I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for reality beyond this. I'm looking for heaven. As little as he understood about that, he understood that uh, Canaan wasn't the end destination. And so we need to understand that. Don't get so upset with things that are going on now. We'll have more to say about that uh, later in the message. But faith is active. Faith is patience. He persevered, content to dwell in, in, in tents. Then faith, we said last week, is bold. Verse 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12. By faith, even Sarah, and we said that the way the Greek looks, it's it's really Abraham in association with Sarah, received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she, and it really could be since they considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore also there was born of one man, and him as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. This is a tremendous truth. Abraham and Sarah at this point dared to believe God for the impossible. Oh, they, they had some, some doubts at first. In fact, they both laughed. That's why their child's name was Isaac, or Isaac, or which means laughter. But eventually they worked through that, and they dared to trust God to give them their first child when Abraham was about 100 and Sarah was 90 years old. I'll bet that's not in the Guinness Book of World Records, but it ought to be. It ought to be. They dared to trust God for the impossible, and we said, hey, there, there are impossible situations in your life and in my life where there are absolutely no solutions that we could figure out, and we need to trust God to do what only he can do. God puts us in those situations, so we need to be bold, uh, not go off on our own wishful thinking, but if it's based on Scripture, we can believe God. Now, we want to look at two more characteristics of Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith was steadfast. It was steadfast. Not only was his faith active, patient, and bold, it was steadfast. He persevered. Let's begin by looking at verse 13. All these, the writer says, died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, our writer digresses for a moment from Abraham alone. He's been talking about Abraham, and then he includes Sarah, and now... He includes all the patriarchs, the founding fathers of the Jewish nation. You have Abraham, you have Isaac, who would be his son, and then you have the grandson, Jacob. From Jacob, by the way, came 12 sons who formed the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the, the pattern, and that's the chosen line. Now, all three of these men have been told by God, that the land of Canaan belonged to them and, and to their descendant. That's what we call the Abrahamic covenants. First made with Abraham, but reaffirmed to his son and grandson. Yet, verse 13 says, all of these died in faith. They all died before this promise was fulfilled. In fact, it wasn't until about 500 years after Jacob that Israel began to inhabit the land. So you can see that there was an incredible space of time. And yet these men all died before God's word was fulfilled, but they died believing that God would fulfill his word. They never stopped believing. They persevered. They continued. They had just steadfast faith. Nothing shook these men. And when they did die, they actually died while making promises or close to death, making promises to their children and their children's children that this covenant would be fulfilled. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 27. Let me show you this, and you might want to mark Genesis around 22 and 27 and there so you can go back to it rather easily later on. But Genesis 27, Isaac, when he died, gave a blessing to Jacob. At this point, he didn't know it was Jacob, thought it was his brother Esau, but the point is that he believed God's promise. Genesis 27 verse 29 May peoples serve you and nations bow down to you be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you that's the Abrahamic covenant somewhat somewhat then chapter 28 verses 3 and 4 look what uh, Isaac says to Jacob and and he's old at this point he's going to die not too uh, long from, from this point. And he says in verse 3, And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessings of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you that you may possess the land of your sojournings which God gave to Abraham. Hey, That's a tremendous, tremendous promise. Even on his deathbed, he's thinking of this promise because he's he's about to die by faith. Not meaning he died by faith, but in his death, he believed God. And then Jacob. How about Jacob? Chapter of Genesis 48, verses 1 through 5. Now, it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick meaning he's about to die. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel, which is another name for Jacob. His name was changed to Israel, collected his strength and sat up in his bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples and uh, and will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. What he's saying is they're part of the blessing. And then we jump back or over to verse 10. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground and then Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, "'The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads.' And may my name live on in them. And may the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 11 is saying. They died in faith. When they died, they were not discouraged. They were not disillusioned. They did not say, God has led us astray. They died in faith.
1: What a picture. I can see that scene in my mind's eye. It must have been filled with emotion as Jacob passed on the blessing and the promise to his grandsons in the sight of Joseph. When you think about the faith they had and the fact that Jacob, or Israel, if you will, was near death, yet still holding fast to the promise, it can make a lump in your throat. All his life, he waited to see the promise come true, and now he was about to die. But Israel never gave up. How was he able to hang on to his faith over these years and even believe while on his deathbed? I wish we had time for that part of the study today, but we have to wait for next time. We have to say goodbye for now, but we hope you can join us for our next class and the continuation of this great picture of faith. You have been listening to Verse by Verse and Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel. Pastor Steve has been serving Lakeside in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. The ministry has expanded to include Verse by Verse Ministries and this daily Bible class of the air. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own local church. To hear today's lesson once again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have a free podcasting service if you'd like to make sure that you catch every class or simply listen online to today's program. There are two other links on the site that I want to bring to your attention. One is the archives link where you can hear previous programs. The other link is to a page where you can subscribe to our complimentary newsletter. The address once more is versebyverseradio.org. Because of time constraints, Pastor Steve's messages need to be made into radio-sized pieces before broadcasting them. But you may want to hear the entire message without interruption. If so, call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order an audio CD or a cassette. That number again, 727 239